Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We are here with the boys from Juco Advocate, Mr. Brandon Goble and Mr. Todd Zollinger. Super pumped to have you guys here. If you haven't heard of Juco Advocate, let me tell you right now, they are a must-follow account for anybody in the world of college basketball, especially on the coaching and media side. It seems like these guys have made quite a name for themselves. Um, and more importantly, they seem like really good people who do really good work. So excited to hear more about them and their story today. Uh, if we could do just quick round the horn intros, I think that would be awesome. So let's go to Brandon first. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm Brandon Goble. Um, I'm the CEO of uh, Juco Advocate, co-CEO of Juco Advocate and Verbal Commits. Uh, we um, we own that brand as well. And Nathan LeClaire and I uh, manage those. I'm Todd Zollinger. Um, I do scouting and operations with Brandon at Juco Advocate, and uh, I also coach college basketball. Um, currently at Scottsdale Community College, but our season just got canceled. So uh, you could call me a free agent, but uh, <laughs> it is what it is. Hey, I'm a, I'm a high school freshman boys coach and our season is quote unquote postponed at the moment. So I uh, share your condolences. I think we're going to get the cancellation sooner rather than later. Yeah. Yeah. Tough times. It's rough. It's rough. Well, well, thank you guys both for being here. Um, so let's, I guess let's start with just a little backstory on Juco Advocate. How did you guys sort of get this idea for the service you provide and um, how did it come to fruition? Yeah, it was kind of like, it wasn't anything that was ever really planned by any means. Um, I got into basketball doing data and analytics for, for a division one program, just kind of helping out on the side with a lot of things. And, and basketball was definitely not something that I ever thought was, was going to be my future. I was in the corporate world, um, you know, doing that whole climb the ladder thing. And, you know, it was, we started the company about, where were we about four and a half years ago now. And, uh, but before that, I, I met a guy uh, just in an open gym. Um, I, I would usually go and, and kind of watch some of the NBA guys that would come back to the school that I was at and they'd you know, run open gym in the summer. And so I was hanging out there and um, uh, one of the former players introduced me to a guy that he had, he had met that had just gotten out of the, um, out of the military. He'd been in the air force for six years uh, named Solomon Heine. And he wanted to walk on to the school and uh, head coach was, was not about looking at walk-ons. And, uh, so he, uh, he just said, Hey, you know, I want to play college basketball. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know anything about eligibility. I don't whatever. And I said, cool, neither do I, but let me see what I can find. And, uh, cause I didn't, I didn't know anybody in basketball. Like I, I literally got into it by doing math and, uh, you know, was writing logarithms and things like that. And somebody that was on the staff, you know, saw me tweeting about it from, from an old personal account. And so, um, you know, one of the guys that helped me get into that was actually currently at Midland Junior College uh, at the time. And, and so, so I, I 
got a hold of Solomon. I said, Hey, I'll, I'll work you out. We'll film it. See what happens. You're six, 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 seven. Like, you know, fortunately you're not five ten. and um, nothing against five ten guys, but when you're like literally making it up as you go, trust me, like height matters. So, you know, we, we filmed him, worked him out. And uh, I sent it down to, to Sam Winooski down at Midland, who was an assistant down there at the time. And he was like, Hey, you know, we'll, we'll let him walk on here and, and see what happens. And uh, that was, that was a trying year for sure. Like it actually prepared me, I think better than anything else could have for what I do now, because Solomon was, you know, he was a combat veteran. Um, he's hard headed. <laughs> he uh, you know, is, a very aggressive person on a court, you know, in practice, all that kind of stuff. Like he really wasn't a Juco prepared guy. Cause he didn't know what he was getting into. I didn't know what he was getting into. Like, I didn't know anything about junior college basketball at the time. And uh, I remember, you know, that first week he calls me, he's like, what in the hell is going on? Like, where am I? What is happening? Like, this is crazy. He's like, I want to quit. I want to leave. Like, this is stupid. And I'm like, bro, I don't know what to tell you. Like I, <laughs> you know, figure it out, man. And, uh, and he did. And, and, you know, it was, it was a crazy year. There was a lot of phone calls that year. There was a lot of me getting up from dinner being like, I got to take this. Like Solomon's <laughs> about to lose his mind. And um, so when it came time for, for recruitment stuff uh, again, no idea what I was doing, right. Didn't know anybody. And so I said, okay, well, let's, let's gather up your film and, you know, we'll get your, your games and, I'll figure out how to cut up film. I don't know how to do that. So, so we're going to do that and, uh, you know, start making highlights. And I even took stuff from like when he was in the military, he would set up his phone and just during workouts, like shooting jump shots and stuff like that. And I would cut that in there and be like, no, see, like he can really shoot it and, <laughs> and whatever. And so from my personal account, I started tweeting at every coach in division one basketball. I went through and actually at the time I didn't know Nathan. I didn't know verbal commits. I didn't know anything, which is funny now that like, you know, we're, we're the same company. Um, but I went through the list of who he followed so that I knew where all of the division one coach Twitter handles were. So I'm just bam, 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 follow, 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 follow all these guys. And I start tweeting at him and on my personal account, I didn't have anybody that was really following me. So I knew if I tweeted at the coach, and I looked at the analytics to see if somebody clicked on the link. It probably was the guy I tweeted at because nobody following me was going to see it or look at it. You know, it wasn't like anybody was liking it or retweeting it or anything. So I would look and see like, okay, I would tweet at Jeff Alexander at Evansville. And, and then it would show that he looked at it. And then sure enough, either I'd get a DM uh, from coach saying, Hey, can you tell me more about this kid? Or I would then, reply to the tweet with another clip like another video and then if that one got it then that you know they, they would watch that one as well and usually i get this dm and and so by the time he was done he ended up with 20 25 something like that d1 offers and uh and yeah just kind of like once we got him all set i i said you know i bet there's a bunch of other kids that you know need help um you know, Solomon was just like such a cool story. Like I thought it was so interesting and amazing that junior college could provide an opportunity to somebody that, I mean, he was 24 years old when he went to, to college for the first time, but your clock stops when you join the military. So he'd gone straight from high school into the air force. So from clock perspective, it was like he was 18. Yeah. And uh, 
so it was crazy. Like, you know, you got this 24 year old dude and he wants to punch a hole through some of these 18 year old kids faces when they're doing dumb <laughs> stuff. And, uh, so, so, you know, once we, once we got him taken care of, then, um, I had met, uh, Daniel Poneman, um, who's now an NBA agent. Uh, he's the head of beyond athlete management, um, which is his own amazing, ridiculous, crazy story where he's just like, I'm going to go do cool stuff and I'm going to be really good at it and it's going to be successful. And he just goes and does these amazing things. And so I met him, I, I DM'd him and I was like, Hey, I got this kid and you know, can you help me get his name out there? And uh, Nils Deckow, same thing. Like he runs Texas top 100 and had reached out to him. And, and so all these guys, I kind of got together. And then a buddy of mine was a software engineer. I said, Hey, let's make this thing. Let's make this, this Juco advocate thing. Like, I don't know what it is. I don't know what we're going to do with it. I started out like with an Excel spreadsheet and, and I would, I would tweet out and say, Hey, if anybody needs help finding a school, like send me your film. And I just, it started with 10 names and then it was 50 names and then it was a hundred names and it was just boom, 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 boom. And then people would say, Hey, can you send me the spreadsheet? Or, you know, you got any guards that, you know, look like this. And I'd spent, I had spent so much time watching basketball uh, through the analytics and the writing the scout side of it. I mean, I probably watched three, four games a day, every day. And, and so I had, this, you know, years of, of stuff, like knowing what a basketball player looked like, like what is, what's a division one player? Like, what do you have to be able to do? What do you have to, what's the level being? I mean, I, I've watched more basketball than I, I challenge anybody <laughs> to how much basketball. Right. And, and so that's, that was my, that was my in with this thing was like, Hey, I, I kind of know what I'm talking about. And, and it started working and, you know, kids got to schools and they were successful at those schools. And, and uh, cause it was a lot about like, you know, where's the right fit? Like, where can you play? Where can you fit in? Where can you, it didn't matter if it was division one on down to NAI. And um, you know, like Tim Graham was one of the, the first kids we ever helped. He's a pro over in Europe now. And it was just like these really cool stories started to develop, like with these kids' backgrounds, you know, it was whether they were international or whether they were, you know, domestic and just had something unique to them, something, something different. And so um, it kind of went from a spreadsheet to a website to, um, you know, a pretty big social media presence to, you know, meeting Nathan and, and he and I kind of being kindred spirits and like what we want to accomplish in this and, and deciding to join our companies together. Um, and, and now like, you know, we have, we have some cool stuff that we've not announced to anybody or shared with anybody except Todd over there smiling. And, uh, and so we got some really, really cool stuff coming down the pike that, that I think is, you know, I, I kind of joke about the hashtag team takeover thing, but like, that's kind of the, that's kind of the goal here. So. If you, if you want to break it here, man, I wish, I wish Todd, uh, uh, Nathan would literally lose his, his flipping time <laughs> if, I, if I did it right now. But yeah, we got, we got some really, really dope stuff coming out that, that I'm super excited about. And uh, I don't know, I think, I think we get, we're on the right track to, to change a lot of things. So. I love it. So I think my major takeaway from that backstory is that you are a hustler. Like <laughs> I, I assume everyone on this call obviously loves college basketball. I think anyone listening to this loves college basketball. But man, like the amount of work and just effort and grind that goes into it to yeah. anyone, whether you're on the coaching side, the playing side, like obviously there's different grinds involved in this sport. But I mean, like you said, to go from one player 
to a spreadsheet to now building out the infrastructure you guys have. That's just insane. Yeah. So I actually, I wanted to ask you more details on like, how does the infrastructure work today? So does a player come to you guys first and then you sort of, you know, check some boxes and see what you can do? Or are you outbound reaching out to kids? It's, it's a little bit of everything, honestly. Like the actual Juco advocate scouting side of it is not... Um, as structured as we had originally intended. So what the, one of the first things we ever did once we got past the spreadsheet was Matt uh, Clark, who's our software engineer, he's, he's brilliant and, and he's really good with databasing software. And so we thought, okay, let's make this website where kids can log in and put in all their stuff, put in their film, you know, put in all their information, whatever. And then coaches can log in, like they would have their own personal validated, verified, you know, coach account. And then they can search this thing, right? And this, this big database and they can sort by, you know, I want six, five to six, 10 with a three, two plus GPA and blah, 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 all this stuff. And it was cool. And we learned really quickly, uh, crap in, crap out where, like kids don't like, they're not good at this. <laughs> they're, they're like, you know, making stuff up or, you know, the five, six kid is like, yeah, I'm six foot. And it's like, that's not true. And, you know, they, I would get these messages. We had this thing, like it was mobile native too. So like you could, you could do it on your phone, but because of the, the database and stuff, you had to turn your phone sideways for it to work correctly. So you would log in and it would say, rotate your device if you held it up straight. So you rotate your device, it would recognize that you've rotated it and boom, it'd pop up the spreadsheet. So it was, it was great technology. And I would literally get these, these messages from these kids saying, I don't know what's wrong with your database. All it says is rotate your device. And I'm like, did you rotate your device? And they're like, oh, it works now. Cool, thanks. I'm like, <laughs> like it literally says it on the screen is rotate oh, your device. Like just do it, you know, <laughs> just turn your phone sideways. And they're like, oh, it's cool. Um, so we, we kind of figured out real quick that, that unfortunately, like that style of doing things like just doesn't, it, it's not, it's not very effective. Like there's a lot of kids that got signed off that database. I, I still get coaches today that are like, yeah, you know, we got this guy and we got that. And, and it, there's a place for that somewhere, but it's probably not with like what we're really trying to do. So, um, it's a lot more targeted now, a lot more hands-on, um, we, we utilize, I guess, kind of the resources around us as much as possible um, to where, you know, yeah, there's kids that hit me up every day, but I can't get to all of them. You know, I, I, I literally get 300 DMs a day. And, and so I'm just kind of going through and seeing what I can see sometimes. Um, but we've met a lot of great people and, and uh, you know, guys like Todd that, that come in and and, you know, help with a lot of those things. And, and, you know, there's people that I go out and actively see and pursue, you know, uh, scouting, whether it's high school or scouting in junior college, um, scouting a ton internationally now, uh, you know, all the FIBA stuff, you know, we, we bring a lot of kids over from uh, just, you know, connecting with them online after I've seen them in FIBA competition and things like that and helping them get to school. Um, and, and, uh, and doing everything that way, but definitely like the main, I guess, thing that we will never compromise in all of this is none of the kids ever pay for anything. Like 
there's no there's no charge when you play in one of our events whether it's team or the ja event like we run everything at no cost to kids ever and so um that's something that we're really working on expanding now too uh with our partnership with the undiscovered showcase series that dan is a, is a part of and uh working with nba players to run nonprofit camps domestically as well as internationally and helping as many kids get to school as possible um without them paying a dime like you shouldn't you shouldn't have to have 250 bucks to play in an exposure event to get a college scholarship is kind right. of our thing and so um that's that's something that that we've we've focused on for sure we will not compromise that ever um and so we find different creative ways to make money and and you know work with uh, different partners and stuff. And so that's kind of, that's what I'm really excited about this, this next year, not only on the technology side of things that we have cooking, but um, in, in 21 now, like really connecting with all of these relationships that we've built uh, over this COVID time, right? Like I'm sitting here doing podcasts and doing Zoom calls and things like that. So, you know, it's like, uh, whether it's a relationship now with Kendrick Perkins or a relationship with Mo Wagner, or, you know, Juan Toscano Anderson, different guys that we've talked to about this, like, hey, this podcast is great. We're doing this this thing. I've enjoyed our conversation, but let me tell you about this other thing that we're doing. And they're like, hey, that's dope. Like, I want to be a part of that. And um, and kind of really expanding that in 21 once we kind of get unscrewed by COVID. Absolutely. That's awesome. Uh, you mentioned events. So COVID's obviously put a halt to a lot of this stuff. What does a normal year pre-COVID look like with events? Are you hosting your own tournaments? Are you hosting like spotlight showcase stuff for kids? So what we've what we've done in the past and 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 hopefully, you know, 21 is going to be interesting because of obviously we just don't know where like the first four or five months are going to leave us. But definitely in 22, probably double what we've done in the past. So um, in 2019, I guess. Uh, we ran the, uh, uh, the Evan, the Evan Turner showcase up in Chicago, which, uh, he sponsored for years with Dan. And then we came in and, and became a part of that, um, where we would help anywhere from 250 to 300 inner city Chicago kids play in an event for free. Uh, usually 60 to 80 scholarships would come out of that. Cause we'd get about 150 coaches there, um, that we, we get to come to that event. So that was usually in April. And then we, uh, we started an event called JA, uh, which it was JA, what was it, Todd? JA 32, but it actually had 36. I think, I think this last year, so the first year you did it, 2018, it was 32, but it was actually 36. Yeah, and then I'm we did 40, 45 last year, but it was actually 48. Yeah, hey, because Brandon, you're an analytics guy, man. Right. I'm, I'm literally sitting there trying to figure out rosters and like, cause, cause what it is, is it's an event where it's kind of like elite junior college kids, like the, the top guys and they play on a, on a regular team with real coaches and I hire division one refs and we do custom uniforms and uh, you know, we, we film everything. We make it a big deal. We do photo shoots. We do, you know, as much as. Yeah, we cater the thing like we make it as as cool as possible for these kids. And as I, I was like, yeah, J32 and I made the graphic and I sent it out there and I spent months doing this thing. I did the invitation and I was like, wait, we need 36 players. For this thing. <laughs> and so so there was 36. So then the next year I was like, all right, I want to expand this a little bit. Like I never want to get above like 50. Like I want this to be in a pretty exclusive thing. But 
because you get 300 division one coaches sitting there on uh, you know, one, one court. This isn't a multi-court thing. This is full games. This is, you know, focused, right? So I wanted to keep it relatively small. And I was like, all right, 45, we're going to do five teams of nine. How in the hell am I going to get five teams to play an equal number of games? <laughs> in this thing i was like todd we gotta do 48 man. <laughs> yeah so so two years two years running i i got the math wrong uh at the very beginning of the i thing. think i think we just need to keep it at 45 at this point and just however <laughs> just many we have is however it's just it, right. j45 is just a good well-rounded right. number yeah it sounds cool it's got a nice ring to it j45 yeah. you know so the, the 45 definitely adds a little something to it um <laughs> i mean it's it's really amazing like what you guys have done and like just seeing where it started something like social media and twitter is crazy Todd, it's, it's bonkers I'm, what social media can do right like it's, it just it, it's actually really crazy it's it's beautiful it's sometimes ugly but most of the time it's beautiful um todd i'm interested to know because i like have a lot of you know friends uh former teammates of mine i played at the division three college basketball level who are in the coaching world now and it seems like how would you I just kind of want to know the balance between like, you know, you being a coach at the Juco level, but also doing the scouting for J.A. It just seems like a whole lot. I mean, I know a lot goes into scouting and a lot goes into coaching. So I feel like combining those two, you know, are you staying sane over there and how do you do it? <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, well, like I said, our season's canceled this year, um, unfortunately. And that's a whole separate story that. Yeah, well, we could talk about that another time. <laughs> it would be a whole nother podcast to talk about uh, college, small college basketball and COVID. Um, but uh, I mean, to my wife's uh, chagrin, uh, I spend a lot of time watching basketball, um, as, uh, as Brandon said before. Um, I watch a lot of junior college basketball specifically. Um, my, my start in basketball was a little unique and uh, it started kind of at the Juco level, pseudo Juco. Um, but that I, once I started, I got obsessed and, and that's how I came in touch with Brandon was actually on Twitter. Um, and we just got to talking and then uh, a year later, probably um, he was inviting me out to go help with JA 45 Um I think originally you guys were going to come down we with Rexburg because we do a team event in the fall too. We get about what yeah. 60 something teams that, that play in the thing. And Todd's team was going to come down. It just, uh, we, we didn't have any budget. So <laughs> we like it's we free. We don't, char we don't charge it yeah. teams, nothing. I was like, man, we don't charge. And he's like, yeah, no, that's not really the issue. It's the, <laughs> you're, you're in a different state. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, um, we, we were going to take place in the Rocky Mountain Juco Jamboree, but it was uh, it was a little too uh, – we couldn't pay for our hotels. That was the biggest thing. We could have probably paid to get there. We couldn't have paid for anywhere to, to stay. Um, but that's how we initially came in touch. He was talking about it because uh, I ran this kind of – this I call it a club Juco team because really it was uh, – we played a full Juco schedule uh, of 12 games in non-conference time for junior colleges. Um, we would play junior colleges. Uh, the school was in Idaho. It didn't have any collegiate uh, athletics. So no intercollegiate athletics at BYU-Idaho. 
Um, it was formerly a junior college called Rick's College. And shout out to Steve Craig, who started this club basketball team that would go out and play these junior colleges all over the region. And um, I hopped on board with that uh, and was an assistant. And then when I was a head coach, and that's when I came in touch with Brandon. And um, we uh, couldn't afford to go. And then randomly, I'm in Houston visiting my in-laws. And I tweet out, I'm like, man, I would love to go to a Houston practice. And then Brandon hits up my DMs. He's like, so I just talked to Kellen Sampson, the associate head coach at Houston. Are you still in town? I was like, yeah. He's like, do you want to go to a practice tomorrow? And I said, yeah. And then I went, <laughs> um, got to got to watch some practice. And by the way, they're number five in the nation now. And, and uh, I could have told you that was coming two years ago when I went to that practice. Um, but yeah, they, uh, that was a great experience. And then Brandon and I just kept working together and, and um, he helped me solidify the job at Scottsdale. And even though it was a volunteer position um, last year, and, and that was my first season at Scottsdale. And then um, uh, it was, like I said, a volunteer position while well, I was finishing up my degree with a wife and a kid and uh and working with brandon so if you're asking me how i balance my time it's just i don't have time i gotta say i've been married for a little over a year i coach high school freshman boys hoops and i host a podcast and i feel like it's hard for me to balance time i've got to (laughs) ease compared to the guys on this call i mean it's Uh, definitely like something you gotta you know doing what you love and you don't feel like you're working because i you know i um I was in the corporate world for 15 years. I, I literally finally hung up the corporate job to do this full time uh, in November of 19. And so um, great timing, right? Like, oh, <laughs> you know what? That steady paycheck. Nah, nah, we don't need that anymore. We're, we're going to go see the world in 2020. <laughs> um, but, you know, it... Uh, you're doing what you love. So like I was doing this at the same time as, as doing a nine to five. And, um, you know, fortunately I, w- I worked from home, so I don't plan on ever going back to doing it again. So I don't mind saying like the amount of work that I was getting paid to do, like I didn't even come close <laughs> to getting it done in a day because I was literally like, yeah, hang on. No, yeah, no, I'll, I'll get back to you. Just a sec, put them on hold. And I'm like, coach, what's up? <laughs> you know, and right. uh, so you, you do what you do, what you love, and then you don't mind doing it 14 hours a day. So, right. It's not a bad thing when passion wins out over the day job, at least in 100%. my, uh, my short experiences. So you guys, you guys both hit on something. <laughs> you guys, uh, you both hit on something I wanted to, to nitpick at a little more. So you talked about how much just juco basketball you both watch and i was trying to picture this before we set up this episode because i feel like i watch as much college basketball games as i can as much content that i can consume as physically possible but there's so many resources for high major division one basketball right like you've got all the major networks you've got sites like the athletic with dedicated coverage team specific dedicated coverage and now you've also got 300 plus athletes reaching out directly to you. How do you guys stay up to date on JUCO players across the country? Are there resources that make it easy for you? Or how do you even find the coverage of these teams and these players? You're kind of your own coverage. 
<laughs> like, yeah. like you're the one making the coverage, right? So I, I mean, Todd, we, we've got Synergy logins. Uh, Synergy is a great partner of ours that uh, um, keeps us up to date with all the best technology and all of the um, film literally from around the world. I mean, I'm, I'm watching. Yeah. yeah it's just, it's constant, like anything. Cause I'm, we're watching high school stuff. We're watching AU stuff. We're watching FIBA stuff. We're watching Juco stuff. Um, and then a lot of it too, is like, you have to, you have to watch the teams that you're uh, trying to help kids go to, right? Like whether it's division one, D2, NAI, whatever, because everything is so fit specific, like, you know, somebody that, that works for Yak over at UIC may not work for Gates over at Cleveland State. You know, those are, those are two different styles of basketball. And, um, you know, so you, you've got to be strong on the relationships too with those coaches. You know, that's something that I think that was a big like drawing point for Todd um, to get over here was, was really just kind of like building those relationships because that's so over the top important on this side of the business where, they're, those those are everything you know there's there's not a division one staff that that we don't have some connection to you know at least to be able to pick up the phone and, and talk to somebody um some more than others and then you know lots of d2s and the d3s and nais and the juco's and all that kind of stuff it's it's a bit like spinning plates sometimes where you're just trying to keep everything in the air uh all at once but i mean that's where that's where todd comes in um and and you know one of the things that we i guess have really tried to do is when somebody wants to work for us as we continue to grow the company and we're just pouring money into growth. Um, you know, the biggest thing that we can offer, like, you know, when, when Todd said he wanted to work with us, I said, look, you know, we, we don't have a lot of money yet. Like we're still figuring that out. And, and um, especially the way that we make money is different, right? You know, we're, we're trying to avoid individual transactions as much as possible. And we're working through sponsorship kind of stuff and everything. And, and, uh, I said, but I can offer you our network and, um, you know, that's, that's a huge piece of it because, you know, a lot of the guys that come and work for us, like Kyle Drennan was the first person that actually was kind of like an employee. And, uh, I, I said, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have a way to pay you yet, but I can get you a job. And he said, cool, I'll come work for you for, for nine months and then get me a job. And so then we got him the ops job at McNeese and then, uh, helped him out with the head coach job at, at McCook. And now he's the ops at UIC. And, um, you know, it was, it's like, that's a lot of times, like it, it, it sucks because I want to pay these guys as much as possible. Um, and we do what we can when we can until, you know, things kind of, you know, we get everything locked into place, but I, it, you can't, you can't buy the network, right? Like you can't, you can't just go out there and, and say, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to buy my way into coaching. Like, right. We've, we've talked about it. <laughs> yeah. 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 What do you got, Todd? Uh, but it's, it's like, you gotta, you gotta work. Like I'll give you all the resources and the tools and everything under the sun. I mean, you know, it, the, the spreadsheet that Todd works on with all of our contacts and stuff in there, I'll bet he could sell that to GAs for 10,000 bucks. Cause it's the cell phone number of every division one college coach in basketball. But yeah. uh, you know, it's, what you do with it is what's important. And that's why, that's why Todd is such a superstar and, and everybody that I talk to about him, uh, you know, the right job's going to come along where the right guy says, I, this is, this is the guy that I need because Todd, like, I don't have to ask Todd to Todd's just always doing stuff, right? Like that's, that's kind of, I think the mark of somebody that's going to be great in this business is like, you don't have to ask them. 
Like they're just doing things and they're like, Oh yeah, I did this and I did that. And it was great. And I'm like, Oh, that is great. Thanks. <laughs> you know? Um, Cause I can only, you know, I, I got a, a million and 10 things I'm doing in a day, like staying on top of somebody and making sure that they're doing something that I asked, like, I don't have time for that. You know? And, and uh, yeah, so just, it's a, it's a different business for sure, but you can literally just take it and run with it if you want. And I, I, I think like the main thing is, I, so, you know, you guys have, Brandon, you have people that are players that are just DMing you and sending you this film and doing things. And uh, just kind of speaking from my experience, um, I went to a kind of a major high school, um, at least back in the, back when I was playing in high school, 2011, Detroit Country Day, and uh, right outside of Detroit, Michigan. Uh, had some pretty high, you know, high level, big time players played on, you know, the major EYBL circuits, McDonald's, all Americans, things like that. Um, I just see it's, you know, really easy for kids to really, you know, kind of slide through the cracks. And then honestly, you know, Juco basketball, I think kind of can get a bad rap at times, but you know, me being in the state of Michigan, I see teams like Schoolcraft college, and then you have um, you know, like uh, Mock Community College. I mean, you got some really good players that are going on to big schools here. So how do you kind of, I mean, nowadays the stigma on JUCO has definitely improved, but I mean, I remember a time where it was like, oh, you're going to play JUCO basketball? You know, why right. are you going to play JUCO? Why, if you're good enough, won't you just get there? So how do you kind of, I mean, maybe speak back to, how do you kind of break like that JUCO stigma? You know, we, we spend a ton of time telling stories. Um, because it's, you know, especially on social media, um, in 21, we're going to be telling a lot of stories with uh, a lot of content, um, you know, docu-series stuff, mini docs and more podcasts and interviews. Like I'm, I've got a podcast coming up, um, next week with a junior college player. Like, you know, we get NBA guys, we get Penny Hardaway, we get, you know, kind of whoever we want on this podcast, but I want to tell this story from a player that, uh, was human trafficked. Right. And, you know, from a foreign country and, you know, that's, it's this incredibly heartbreaking story, but at the same time, it's this incredible story of overcoming. Right. And junior college, like with Solomon. And that's why I always say that Solomon was the perfect, like first player for me to ever have a relationship with, because I got to see what junior college can do for people and what people can use to do for themselves uh, through junior college. And so I spend a ton of time telling stories uh, tweeting out about successes, tweeting out about, um, you know, just unique people and unique backgrounds and all that kind of stuff to really show that like, hey, junior college is not just about like who didn't make the grades. Or you know what, if they didn't make the grades, here's the things that they overcame, that they did, that they changed, that they whatever to be, you know, incredibly successful. Like, honestly, I know as many dumbasses from high school as I do from junior college. Like, in, in reality, right? It's junior college is has this rap that, yeah, I guess back in the '90s and stuff, you kind of had some of these dudes that went on to the NBA that were uh, maybe a little rough on the edges, and you know that. Okay, but I, I also know plenty of high school kids that you know just happened to be in a situation where they were able to either have the support around them or something to get the grades that they needed to get the test scores that they needed and stuff like that. And we're complete morons when they went on to college, like, you know, not only in the classroom, but we're, you know, insane outside the classroom. Like it, it's just, 
to, to any of that stuff to paint it with like one massive brush is crazy when you really dig into, you know, what, what is really there and you know, why is somebody there? And, and, you know, everybody's background is so different and there's so many reasons that people wind up in the positions that they wind up in. And so, yeah, we just tell stories so that, that people can kind of see like, Hey, this is, this is somebody that took an opportunity that they otherwise wouldn't have had were it not for junior college. I mean, I always tell Chris Parker, the president of the NJCAA all the time, like, like junior college offers this, this opportunity that, I mean, think of all these, think of all these great people and stories and, and, and stuff that we would just completely miss out on were it not for junior college. Right. So, um, which is why it frustrates the pieces out of me at the NCAA spends so little time, like actually giving a crap about what happens in the NJCAA or, you know, rules to kind of help blend those things together and, and make things easier rather than, you know, let's make things as difficult as possible. So, right. The NCAA making things easier that, uh, not really their bag. Why would they ever do anything like that? that right. That right. So, and I'm constantly, you know, Chris, I'm, I'm hitting him up all the time too. I'm, I'm sure I just wear him out sometimes. We're like, I'll run into a rule where, you know, it doesn't make sense to me uh, that it, because it's restrictive to somebody or, or a situation or whatever for the sake of having a rule. Right. And so I'm hitting him up and I'm like, Chris, the NJCAA is here to provide opportunity, not to restrict it and remove it from somebody, especially when it's a circumstance that's out completely outside their control. And he's like, I know, I know, I know we're working on it. We're working on it. You know? And so one of my main goals in 21 is I'm going to head back out. I've already gone to the NJCAA offices to go meet him the first time. And so I'm going to go back out there and start knocking on doors and, and uh, say, let's have a sit down and talk about some of these rules that you have in place. Shall we? <laughs> I love it. So on the flip side of what Carter just picked out, obviously the, the deck is stacked against these kids really at all levels from the top down of the NCAA down to where they're actually at. But on the flip side, I think I know this from experience with my high school team, every kid that made the varsity team that I work with, every single one of them thinks that they're destined to play college basketball at some level. And they think that if they put a 10 second highlight reel of jelly layup lines together, that they're <laughs> the next big thing. And yeah. I can imagine out of the, the hundreds of submissions and reach outs that you're getting asking for help, there's a decent amount of those that are kids that might have hoop dreams that are a little unrealistic versus kids yeah. that you really think are deserving of help. So is there something specific you're looking for on film? Is it just the scouting eye in general? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot to, <clears throat> I'll say, I'll put it this way and Todd, correct me if, if I'm wrong, there's some film you watch and you just instantly know like, okay, this is, this is a player. This is, you know, whatever. That's easy. Anybody can do that. Um, where it gets tougher is when you're looking for something in that guy that he hasn't shown yet. Right. So, um, the, the easiest way to, to explain it is like, when I go to Africa, like what level of college basketball or what level of basketball you think I'm watching <laughs> when I'm over there. Right. I mean, it's, it's nothing. These are mostly kids that have never played organized basketball before. And so, when we help those kids get over here, I mean, they've, they've been successful, right? They, one of them's an NBA prospect. One of them's playing at BYU right now. What, you know, we've got kids that are in college right now, signing division one scholarships and stuff like that from these different camps. And none of them had ever really played truly organized basketball before. And so there for sure is, 
I don't know what you'd even call it, Todd, like a, yeah, an eye, I guess, to be able to see that there's something in that guy that or girl that um, says, you know, I, I can't teach the things that you're really good at. I can teach you to play basketball. I can teach somebody to shoot a jump shot. I can't teach motor and toughness and, you know, heart and, uh, you know, willingness to overcome and, and all that. And a lot of kids think they, they have that. And, and some of them do. And at the end of the day, yet they're still just not talented enough. Right. I mean, it's, it is what it is. Um, but there's a lot of kids that are also fooling themselves with, you know, just how tough are you? Like, just how high does your motor run? Like, how bad do you really want this? Um, and, you know, yeah, at some point talent does matter, but you can, you can overcome a lot more talented people by doing all the other things. And so I think we've done a really good job in the past of finding those kids that, you know, maybe just didn't have, uh, didn't, didn't have the, the training and didn't have the coaching and the whatever, but they got something in them that says, screw it, you know, I'll figure it out. Like Owen Nelson's a kid that's at Wyoming right now. And I like to talk about him because he, he comes from a, a, a developed country, right? He comes from Ireland, he comes from a first world country. Uh, so he didn't have that against him, but he hadn't played for very long. Like he was a, an Irish rules football player, right? Which is like a brutaler version of rugby. You know, he's 6'10", 240 pounds, like, you know, he's a slobber knocker, but I know a ton of 6'10", 240 pound kids that can't find their butt with two hands on a basketball court. Right. And so Owen is playing meaningful minutes at Wyoming after one year of junior college, where that's kind of where he learned how to play basketball for the most part. Cause he played a little bit in the national team stuff where I first saw him in FIBA division C and, uh, but he's doing it off of playing hard and like just, you know, practicing his ass off and, and being a kid that, you know, whatever you tell him to do, like he's, he's doing it. You know, he might do it wrong, but he'll do it at a hundred miles an hour. And, you know, that, that goes a long ways, you know, now he's blessed with physical gifts that make him be able to just walk into the mountain West and also can't teach two, six, 10 to 40. Yeah, exactly. So (laughs) I'm not, you know, I I understand what that is, but again, there's a lot of six, 10 kids that can't yes. come close to playing in the mountain West and, and have had the training and have had the coaching and have had, you know, they've had a basketball in their hands since they were five, you know, as opposed to a hurling bat. And, <laughs> you know, it's like, so those are, those are the kinds of things that I spend a ton of time looking for is like, Hey, let me watch you make a mistake and see how you react to it. The yeah. whole nation of Ireland's probably just so pissed at you that you took their next hurling. Right. Superstar. Yeah. Their next hurling superstar is now, oh. is now in Laramie, Wyoming, uh, dunking on people. So <laughs> I, I think, I think a big part of it can be illustrated perfectly by, uh, like kids need to put more plays like what Jalen Suggs did when he, uh, had the ball stolen from him, but then went back and blocked the shot in transition. Um, I think Brandon really hit something on the nail there with understanding, like, how, how do you react when you make a mistake? Like, are you throwing your hands in the air or are you getting back in it and, and, uh, and getting right back to work and, and forgetting and, and um, being intentional and caring, you know, I feel like that those are two things that can't be taught as well. And yeah. um, 
really hit it on the nail there. So there, there's a kid, uh, I'm going to call him out on this and he won't mind. I don't think, uh, that, uh, so when Drennan who worked for us, got the, the head coaching job at, um, at McCook, uh, a division one coach had asked for some help with this kid. And so he goes over to, to Drennan and his name's Latre Darthard and he's at uh, Utah Valley now. He's a really good player. But I went to I went to one of their first games <clears throat> against Garden City, and and they got they got boat raced like they were getting their butts handed to them. And Drennan finally had enough. Latre wasn't doing whatever he was supposed to be doing, and um, he comes out and he, you know, coach goes to just dab him up a little bit, and, and Latre just you know, get off of me. Goes down the end of the bench, and he's he's you know pissed. And so Drennan doesn't put him back in the game the rest of the time. And I'm walking around the, the gym afterwards and I hear somebody talking to Latre and, uh, and I kind of peek around the corner and there's his dad uh, talking to him. And, and, uh, and so I, I said, Hey, I, you know, I, I don't mean to interrupt Mr. Darthard, but um, you know, my name's Brandon. They're like, Oh, okay. Cause they'd never met me before. I helped their kid get to school. You know, we never met. And uh, I, I said, you mind if I talk to Latre for a second? He says, no, no, no. He's standing there. Trey's got his head down and he thinks I'm going to give him the like motivational, like, come on, buddy, you can do it speech. And I annihilated that kid, like right there in (laughs) front of his father. I was like, you son of a blah. And I went bonkers on this dude. I mother effed him like the coach that I used to work for. And, and, and he just like, oh my God. Uh, I turned this kid inside out and wore him in the hat. And, and the dad is like, I don't think he knew what to say. Right. He's like, Oh, geez, I didn't know that was coming. And, and so, you know, we finished that up and, and, and I said, you want, you understand like why I'm so angry at you right now. I was like, you're talented, you're this, you're that, whatever. And like your attitude is what's going to prevent you from ever playing college basketball again. And he is talented, but the thing that, that changed and, and, you know, I'm not saying it was because of the one, butt ripping that he got you know drennan is a heck of a coach but uh he changed his attitude about everything like he literally was going to go from maybe not playing at mccook the next year maybe playing someplace else and then probably never playing college basketball again to next year he's probably you know got a shot at being an all-league guy in the whack and and it was it was about just kind of how he committed to his craft uh, you know, not only just in games, but also his attitude and like his motor and his leadership and, and things like that, that, that said, you know, this was a kid that nobody wanted out of high school. The reason that coach called me was for a favor. It wasn't because they were interested in recruiting him. You know, he went to, he went to Hargrave and it was like, uh, no, nobody wanted him. He went to, um, I, I know he went and worked out at like a division one school back home or something. And they were like, nah, like he's not like, he's just not a college basketball player at all like that was that was the extent of his college basketball recruiting right and you know fortunately drennan took a chance on him and he ended up being an all-league guy he averaged like 17 a game or something wow. and uh you know now he's at utah valley playing for madsen and they love him so sure yeah, that's impressive and you know kind of just speaking to what todd said i mean that play with Jalen Suggs, him getting back on you know defense after having that turnover and i think that's when we talked about earlier the downside of social media, you have things like uh, services like Overtime and all these mixtapes and the music. And, you know, there's players with absolute crazy followings on social media. Kids are damn near celebrities, entourages. 
it's actually crazy. Uh, I'm not going to name who the player was, but, you know, went to go see one of the big time players that was had the big following, the high ranking. And you go to the games and they're, they're just coasting through. They might make a couple highlight plays, but, you know, they're not really like get back things like that. And, you know, it's kind of social media, unfortunately, giving the kids kind of a little sense of entitlement and, you know, making the emphasis on the making the kid fall. But, you know, maybe you should make the basket or something. Right. You know, it's, it's just like, <laughs> and, it's, and it's, you know, I love the highlights, but like sometimes I cannot stand watching overtime videos. They, they just kill me sometimes because they just emphasize these things that there's no coaches that are looking at overtime videos. Like, oh, no. that, that's just not what it is. And it's, yeah. you know, it's just, it's, uh, I think it just points to the point that Todd made, you know, it's, it's things like that. That's a top five pick or whenever he comes out, it's going to be a lottery pick and he's doing things like that. Yeah. And it's, you know, not to be the, like, get off my lawn guy, but you know what, if, if overtime or whatever, your highlight thing, like, okay, cool. You know, you're throwing down, in East Bay and layup lines or whatever, like, cool. Like that, that's neat. I, I can't do that. Hell, I'd jump so high, I'd get scared coming down. Um, <laughs> but then that's fine. But if you don't have the, if you don't have the rest of it, I'm so not interested in you. It's crazy. Like I could not care less. You'll get some of those highlight tapes and they'll show them like doing some crazy stuff at the beginning. Like, not in a game or if it is in a game it's out in transition like don't give me transition buckets i don't care like when you're by yourself like like one on nothing transition buckets like i don't care you know unless you're trying to show me that you've got like a 3940 or something you know how look at shit, how fast he got down the floor but other than that i don't care i think i saw a tweet from the juco advocate account last week i better <laughs> not see a free throw on your film <laughs> yeah. get this in there you know they, 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 they go to the rim and they they get fouled and then and then like you're showing me the oh so you both the free throws good like, for you man you know i'm like what are, what are we doing i said the only time you get to show me a free throw is if you're seven three and i want to see that the like signals from your brain do get to the ends of your fingertips to be able to <laughs> exactly to make a free throw like that because yeah. hey, if you're if you're a big fella and you can shoot 70 percent from the free throw line like now we got something but right um, that's, that's, hey, being, i mean i'm not like 610 i'm 67 but the free throw line you, you've been 610 before though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like you, like you said you got to add a couple if you look at if you looked in the the so you know, the, the pre-game media guide i'm gonna get a little extra inch or two i was probably pushing six eight on there i'm probably six five in all all reality but you know, the, the free throw line can sometimes be a scary place. Yeah, it's a scary place. It's lonely out there, right? It's like Brock Erickson. Your throws, it, it, it's called a free throw, but it doesn't really feel free. No. Brock Erickson <laughs> from UIC and I are always arguing about the height thing. Like, he wants to know, what is your height barefoot? And I'm like, coach, who no cares? Be barefoot on you the play coach, in on the shoes. <laughs> like... Are we playing barefoot? I hope not. He's like, I want to know true height. And I'm like, look, dude, if somebody, if somebody starts giving you their barefoot height, they're just screwing themselves. Cause nobody, nobody asks for barefoot height, right? Like the NBA decided to start doing, you know, true height measurements last year. I think it was. And like, mm -hmm. all of a sudden, somehow somebody, uh, a few guys went up an inch, like LeBron grew an inch when they actually measured him. And, you know, they're like, Oh geez, he's bigger than we thought. Um, <laughs> but a lot of guys, you know, shrunk two inches and I'm like, who cares? Like, just, just pick the standard. Is it shoes or no shoes? We already use shoes. Just keep using shoes. Right. <laughs> what are we doing? Right. Crazy. 
Um, all right. So I wanted to save a little time here to pivot to guys in college basketball today that are former JUCO players that are either just balling out or are guys you expect to emerge. I know Todd and I have had a couple live locker room rooms in the past couple of weeks where he's brought a ton of knowledge on guys to the table here. Um, so I guess I'll just throw it to you guys first. Who are, who are some names, people that are listening to this should know that are former JUCO guys in the world of college hoops today? You know, we had, we had one on our, uh, we did a podcast episode with Chris Duarte who's at Oregon and uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that are, that are kind of bounce back, you know, um, D1 Juco D1 again. And then, you know, that are being really successful and stuff, but Chris was a true Juco guy um, coming from the Dominican and, and I'm always fascinated with him because his story is so cool. Like, you know, and there's a lot that we didn't talk about in that podcast with his story. Um, just plug the episode, give, give people the episode, Brandon. Yeah. yeah the, uh, oh, the live God. period, just the live period. That's all you got to search. We, we got all kinds of cool stuff on there. Um, but it, uh, the Chris Duarte episode was, was about his journey and, you know, a lot about him as a person and things. And, and again, like I said, there's some stuff that was left out of there because it's, uh, it's not, it's a little gnarly. The world of college basketball is, um, not necessarily always a pretty place, but, um, you know, he's, he's in he's fantastic he's six 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 you know long uh he can shoot it he can handle it guard he skills, can play yeah. a little point he's got guard skills he can play the wing he's got a high motor all this kind of stuff and you know i think i think he's one of those kids i know he's older i know he's a little bit older and all these nba guys are like oh 24 you might as well be dead um <laughs> but it's like you know he's not even 24 yet but uh he's one of, he's one of those guys that i i think if somebody in the nba locks into that kid and really really puts time and energy into him i mean you've got you've got a high impact nba player um you know in chris duarte because he's one of those kids that every single time he's bumped into something in his life he's just like you know plows right on through it yeah and i, I pulled up his numbers just while you uh brought up his name 15 5 and 3 53 from the floor 42 percent from three i mean that's pro numbers yep yep he's a pro player i mean he's, he's He's a, he's at minimum a three and D NBA guy. I think, you know, that, that has a lot more upside to him. Love it. Todd, what about you? I know you've dropped uh you dropped the Demoy Hodge name on us earlier this week. Yeah. yeah Demoy. He, uh, when I saw him, he went to, he was at JA 45. Um, when I was there working with Brandon and uh, let's just say there, everyone was talking about him. Um, he, he was very impressive at the event. And uh, when he ended up going to Cleveland state, I was like, Cleveland state. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I thought, I, I know, I know coach Gates was on coach Gates ended up with three guys from that event. Right. Yeah. Cause he was um, at Florida state at the time when the event was happening in July, he hadn't, he didn't get the Cleveland state job till mid August. Yep. And so Crazy late he started calling all of the, all of the guys that he had seen when he was, you know, there on Florida state's dime. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he was, when he got that job, I mean, Des Moines was, was one of the first ones that he called. And, um, on top of that, another guy on that same team at Cleveland state, one of the best names in college basketball you'll ever find Trey Gomillion. Yeah. Um, he, he's another stud who also impressed at our event. And, uh, he, he's at Cleveland state playing great for coach Gates. Um, 
another one of my favorites. Uh, he's at McNeese State. Sure, uh, Sir Drew, the King Drew, of Threes. Drew Cuxhausen. Yep. Um, five ten, right? Yeah, five ten. I think they list him right? at six foot, but we're doing the <laughs> we're doing the the <laughs> shoe <laughs> thing. Yeah, I think he shot forty nine percent from three last year as a Division wow. One player. Uh, one hundred and thirty seven makes. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Like he leads with makes this season too, right? So far. So yeah, it's been crazy with those poor guys. You know that the hurricane wiped out Lake Charles, yeah. and so they literally scattered to the winds for the, the you know, most of the fall. They they were living they were living at uh, University of Louisiana Lafayette. Yes. So crazy. Wow. Yeah, he, he's one of my favorite uh, JUCO products to follow. Um, and then of course you know I'll plug. I'll plug a former uh, artichoke in there and uh, fighting artichoke is the mascot of Scottsdale community college. I'm not sure if you guys knew that best mascot My in the world. Favorite mascot no. ever. Um, a fighting artichoke. Oh yeah. Yes. He's a doozy. The fighting artichokes. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta see that logo and what their gear looks like. Do they actually oh, have yeah. like, I don't have any like an artichoke or something like yeah, that? Yeah. 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 I'll send it over to you. Um, right. I got to see. Uh, Xavier Fuller. He was yeah. an All-American for us last year, uh, six five, uh, two. He can play the two or three. Um, just does everything. He's at University of South Dakota, um, along with one of our other players, Boogie Anderson, as well, point guard, uh, six four point combo guard, and uh, they uh, they've been killing it. Obviously, uh, the wins haven't come yet, but in conference they should they should start to kill it. And uh, I'm excited for them. It's been um, interesting to look this year too at like. Um, this guy Sean on on Twitter had hit me up, and we'd actually talked in the locker room stuff earlier. And he was like, you know, "Every time I look at these box scores, like the guy, the first, second, you know, leading scorer on you know each team, and a lot of these mid major, you know, and down levels at least, they're all JUCO guys." I'm like, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> and you know, people just kind of forget about it. You know, the John Rothsteins of the world that go out there, and you know, he's like this is a junior college transfer. This is all strange and new to me. And I'm like, bro, there's literally 400 of them that sign division one yes. every year. Like you just, you, you immediately put it out of your mind that you know, they, they went to because he refuses to ever say like, which school, right? Yeah. You're not going to catch college. Yeah. You, Chris Duarte played it's at a, a junior. Dark entity. Yeah. They played at a junior <laughs> college. I don't know what that is. It's or, like, or, they name, saying, or they name their former, if they're a D one guy first and their former D one school. But yeah. They'll, they'll, never, oh, they'll never bring up the Juco school. No, no, no. And that's, that's the thing is like, if you look at South Dakota's roster, uh, they have Ty Chisholm as well. They have Mason Archambault as well. That's, I think they have five total Juco guys on that roster. And that's a third of their roster. Yep. Uh, Cleveland State obviously has three, if not more. Oh, shoot. Cleveland State's got like five, I think. But it's it's at all levels. Michael Mulder is making threes for the Golden State Warriors right now. He played at Vincent. Yes. He's you know, about to take my boy Jordan Poole's job. Yeah. Like, I have beef with Michael Mulder right now. He's got to stop being <laughs> uh, so hot from the arc, man. We need Jordan Poole to keep a roster spot. <laughs> Like he just, you know, uh, uh, Jay Scrub got drafted this year straight from junior college, right? You know, it's every level. And I'm not saying that like, you know, the highest high levels, like it it is difficult because especially if you come in with, you know, maybe only two years to play this year is a little different, but um, that transition time is kind of funny 
you know, uh, it, it does take a minute. Like it even took a guy like Chris Duarte the first semester to kind of figure out, you know, what he was doing and stuff. But you, know, you get something different with some of these kids. Like they're not, they're not entitled, right? There's, there's not, there's not a lot of Juco guys that got a silver spoon, you know? Um, there's a lot of things that they can draw on to uh, overcome a lot of stuff. I mean, you look at Gavin Kinsmill down at, you know, Stephen F. Austin last year when they beat Duke right? Like their top, I'm trying to remember, it was like three of their top four or five scorers in that game. were all junior college kids, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and yeah, like when you're up against Duke and, and I'm not saying that Stephen F. Austin is going to go into Cameron indoor and, you know, win every game or anything <laughs> like that. But like, once they got to the point where they're like, Hey, we got a chance here. Like, you're not scaring those guys away. No. Yeah. You know, they're like, have you seen what I used to eat at Navarro <laughs> junior college? Like, you know, the, the hot dogs that people are eating at Cameron Indoor here are nicer than anything I ever had at Navarro. And, you know, then they go out there and they punch those guys in the mouth. And you gotta so love, you got to love that. Just like watching, watching guys that just work hard and earn, had to earn everything. Like they, like you can't, like, how do you hate a guy like a Chris Duarte or like a guy like, or any Juco guy who really had to just do what you had to do to, you know, yep. Get it done. Like, you and the biggest programs are starting to recruit them. Tyon Grant yep. Foster's at Kansas. Sardar yep. Calhoun's at Florida State. I was just going to mention them. It, it's uh, um, Teddy Allen, Big S- Ten guy, S- lighting up the Big Ten in Nebraska this year. Teddy Allen. Teddy Allen's it. And I will tell you, you know, T- Teddy Allen's uh, faults and history are no secret, right? Like, all you got to go do is Google his name and you go, oh, geez. Uh, but Teddy Allen's doing fine. Teddy Allen has, has, grown a lot and matured a lot and figured out a lot and you know where he learned that junior college yeah right like playing playing it's in scott's bluff nebraska western nebraska cory ferringer like you know you, you you if you're not figuring it out there you're never going to figure it out well right? you have a choice too right for a kid that started at west virginia to end up at a community college you can go one of two ways you can yeah. either put your head down and do the work and accept your circumstances and control your own outcome or you can let it defeat you and clearly i mean props to teddy allen props to all the kids that are going through that that end up making it back up to where they want to be um crazy impressive all right so i want to throw i want to throw a quick hitter at you guys we probably are going to clip this for like a short little promo of this episode just a heads up going into this but give me your mount rushmore of juco players of all time that could mean anything to you that could mean that could mean impact. That could mean overall your, ability. Your personal, your personal favorite, if you got Whatever. one. It, it, it doesn't, doesn't matter. It's just you, your, your Rushmore. I mean, you've got, you, you've got the names that everybody knows, right? Like you've got the, the Dennis Rodman and, and Jimmy Butler and Jay Crowder and Larry Johnson. Uh, yeah, Larry Johnson and all that. But my favorite is probably Birdman. Chris Anderson? Love him. <laughs> Birdman, Chris Anderson, like, like, like this guy, this guy never stopped being Juco, right? Like (laughs) he still is. Um, He went to Blinn for a year and, and then was like, yeah, I'm done with college. Um, So I can't say that like Chris Anderson's like life choices or something that I'm probably, you know, saying that I love, but you know, I, I really got into basketball. I, when I was in college and stuff like basketball, wasn't a big deal to me. You know, I'm just like, Hey, I'm a fan. I'm whatever. And I just remembered always watching him play and he played like his hair was on fire all the time. (laughs) Like he knew he might only get eight minutes 
And he was going to give 150% for those eight minutes. His hair also like, often looked like it was on fire. It also may yeah, have been on fire. Lot, it really yeah. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, that guy's got a crazy story. Um, you know, we're hoping to get him on the podcast uh, soon, but it, it's just, it's such a, I don't know. Like, there's just something where you're like, man, you've got all of this stuff. You got all this baggage. You got all these personal problems. You got all this stuff. And, and when you stepped onto the court though, like he just hit that go button and it was like, all right, I'm coming for everybody's throat. I don't care who it is. And I don't know. There's just something about that where I'm like, we're not even talking about talent here. Right. Like this is <laughs> like, it, yes, to do what he had to do to play in the NBA as long as he did, of course he's talented, but it's not like, man, look at that sick, whatever he's got. It's more like, holy crap. He just like did stuff really hard and you did it really fast and you know like jumped really high and swung his arms in the air <laughs> like it was just it was something like it was it was controlled chaos yep and then when you look at him it even made it more chaos and i just loved it and and so he's you know i don't know that's my that's my every time i think of like junior college and and you know whatever i just this chris anderson mohawk you know <laughs> rises up in my head it's a good app uh, for it <laughs> I'll throw one out there now uh, to uh, get the second person, Brandon. If we're going to do four, uh, going along the same lines as not to put out the obvious ones out there, um, Brian Scalabrini, oh, yeah. one that's lesser known to be a JUCO product, played in uh, a nice little conference up northwest called the NWAC. Yep. Um, that was awesome. I, it was uh, also on the live period. They already interviewed uh Sir Brian Scalabrini of uh, of the Boston Celtics White NBA champion. Yeah, White Mamba, I was going to say. Greatest NBA thing. champion Brian Scalabrini. Um, Shoreline, is that where he played? Uh, yeah. yeah. Shoreline Community College. Yep, for Joe Calero, former Cal Poly coach. So, yeah, I mean, it's are – we, are, are, we, are we naming more? Or are we just – is that Give kind us, of – We're doing four, game? right? Yeah, that's good to do more. There's yeah, four people on Rushmore, so I need two more. Okay, okay. Um, you know, it, it, no, no, no name for sure, but like, kind of people for I think forget that he was a JUCO guy, but like, the the franchise, like, there's a, there's another guy that just came in and was like, I'm just gonna go do a bunch of stuff, <laughs> and like, you know, it was just go 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 motor. Steve Francis, I mean, he was that that dude was a baller, and. Uh, yeah, he's he's one that kind of people forget about when you kind of dig into the, some of the bigger names, you know. Because I had like no Sean idea Marion he was a Juco here. guy. No I was going to say you just educated me. I did not. I mean, yep. that's funny because whenever you see Steve Francis, you see Maryland highlights. You never really. I mean, yeah, he, he went, he personally, I never heard about the Juco part of it. Went to Allegheny uh, in Maryland, and before that, he finished at Allegheny, and then he went. He was somewhere before that. I can't remember where it was. I want to say he was in Texas, maybe. But he fin- I think he finished at, at Allegheny. And actually, so Francis and Sean Marion over back there somewhere uh, went to Vincennes. They played in the national championship against each other. Or oh, wow. not national. Play, played at Hutch. I can't remember if it was the championship game or if it was whatever. But a different game. That, was, that was before my time <laughs> of paying attention <laughs> to junior college. So, All right, Todd, hey, give us one more. I'll, I'll cap it off with a current nba um, and I'll just cap it off with Jimmy Buckets, um, Jimmy Butler, Tyler Junior College uh, in Texas, um, obviously then Marquette afterwards, but 
talk about a guy who epitomizes what junior college a junior college player truly like is a guy whose work ethic who who feels like he's given nothing who's um humble and just is gonna work harder than everyone else because that's his only way uh to not his only way but that's the way he's going to distinguish himself from from everyone else um and that's what junior college products do time and time again everywhere they go um and that's why if you're a mid-major coach, now high major, like like Brandon said, Kansas, Florida State, uh, Nebraska, junior college products, more and more are getting recognized as guys who will take nothing for granted and work for everything that they earn. And so um, he, he embodies that. He really does because he didn't he didn't have to be a star in the NBA. Like a lot of people probably thought that he was just going to be a nice player um, when he was drafted by the Bulls, but obviously he's made a way for himself and and he's worked for everything that he's earned in the league. And that's why uh, I'm really happy about his success as an NBA. And and that's why if you're a mid-major coach, a high major coach, a low major coach, D2, D3, NAI, if you're not recruiting junior college products, you're not recruiting Juco products, then, Hey, Todd, say it one more time because <laughs> the people need to know. I don't get it. We can give them the proof, we can give them the players, but they need to know that Juco guys can get it done. I don't, they, I mean, the, or, two or, Juco or, guys or, played in the NBA finals last year for the Heat. This year, the Houston Rockets have three Juco guys on their roster. I, I mean, I don't know what, one team. Know what more you need. <laughs> Proofs in the pudding. 25% of their roster is junior college players. <laughs> I mean, no, like it, it seriously, if, if you turn your nose up at junior college players at this point, like it really doesn't make any sense. You're just shooting yourself in the foot. Um, and I don't, I mean, I don't think there are many coaches who do that anymore, um, but there definitely are still some um, and, and they'll learn quick. They'll learn quick when the guys around them are starting to beat them with Juco products, they'll learn quick. So yep. either, they, either they get with it or they just keep getting, they'll, they'll probably get beat by Juco guys in the future. So. Yes, sir. 100%. And I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention, so I'm a Jersey connoisseur. I'm in a Marquette jersey. This is not a Jimmy Butler Marquette jersey. This is a Darius Johnson Odom Ooh. Marquette jersey, Hutchinson Community College Project. Good there old Hutch. Go. Yeah, I like it. And also would be remiss if I didn't shout out my my top three Juco players all the time. These are personal preference, but got to shout out Ben Wallace because I'm a Pistons fan. Cool. Got to shout out Big Ben. Uh, Doug Anderson from Michigan Council Central, uh, college dunk champion, one of the craziest, probably the craziest athlete I've ever played against or seen live. And then I was actually a big fan of the Pierre Jackson kind of ball his life series and his, um, he kind of actually turned me on to the, I believe it was the College of Southern Idaho. Yep, CSI. Yep, CSI. Yep. Yeah, some real good basketball there as well. So uh, they had a they had a couple guys go play deep. So I started following them afterwards. So got to shout out those three guys. Well, a special place in my, in my heart, Juco guys. I mean, you, you dig through like the, the list of the list of guys you go, Oh geez, I didn't know about that guy. I didn't know about that guy. That guy. I didn't know about that guy. You know, the, that played junior college and, and all the way back from, you know, the sixties, right? Like there's dude, there's, I don't remember how many it was five. There might be five guys in the NBA hall of fame that were Juco players. You know, which junior college has been a different thing, right? For 
over the last 70 years of basketball. It's evolved and changed and, you know, whatever. But, um, but the the point being, it has always been something where it's like, Hey, you weren't the, the five star, like, you know, you were going to make it no matter what, because you just had everything and, you know, whatever, like there's, I, I think really the funny thing is, is when you look at the numbers of like how many guys are really being successful in, in, division one basketball, let's say, uh, that were former junior college players in comparison to, you know, the guys that are high school players, the, the, the percentages are off, right? Like there's a greater number of players in junior college or in division one basketball that were junior college guys, than there should be based on the number of junior college players there are versus high school players. Mm-hmm. It's yep. just, you know, it, 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 they're successful. I mean, they're, and, I mean, on top of that, like there's a lot of guys coming out of high school that should have been like due to their rankings. Right. I mean, if you go off high school rankings, which we never will. um, But (laughs) if uh, if you look at all that, there's more there's more Juco guys that are turning out and producing and and, uh, doing well at the division one level than than probably high school guys. Yeah, I'd bet on that number, that that five number of NBA Hall of Famers. I think that's going to be on the rise here shortly in the coming years. Yep. For the long-term future. Yep. Um, and one last thing I want to hit on. So you guys have a, a project called Project Rise that you, mm-hmm. I believe, started in the middle of 2020. Um, from what I've read about it, it sounds like an incredible initiative. So I'd love to, to hear from you guys what that is. Yeah, we're, we're a little COVID delayed on it, um, but we, we finally kind of have, have gotten rolling here. So the, the idea being that um, we want to directly impact the number of black coaches coaching at the division one level. So I'm always kind of like a kick in the door and just do stuff guy. So like, I don't, I don't like asking, <laughs> I just go do stuff. Um, and so I said, okay, well, you know, we, we, we got to get this number up. I mean, it's ridiculous when you go back. The NCAA does studies on it, right? Like the commission and pay for studies and then they don't do shit about it. I'm like, all right. So uh, we wanted to use our network um, and, and use the things at our disposal that can help the most. And so uh, we've got, um, we've got 10 candidates that uh, are coaches that we know or were nominated or you know we met through this process or whatever that we think should be coaching in division one basketball whether it's in a support or an assistant role uh as early as next year and so we're going to pair each of those guys up with a division one head coach as a mentor and then um you know, we, we've been fortunate to, to get guys like Buzz Williams, uh, who's agreed to do it, Quanzo Martin, um, you know, guys like that that have said, yeah, absolutely, you know, we'll, we'll jump on and, and help with this. And so they'll be paired up with a candidate and they will mentor them over the next, uh, you know, three, four months uh, until kind of the job cycle uh, comes around here. And then we'll also be um, doing a lot of uh, group session stuff where we've got Adam Gerlach, who used to be an assistant at Cornell, who's now uh, does things like emotional intelligence training and different things like that. They're going to be doing some of that stuff in groups. They're going to be um, meeting with guys like, uh, you know, Maura Morgan's probably going to come on from South Alabama and he's going to talk about writing scout, right. And like what those expectations are at the college level versus, you know, maybe what they do in the junior college or high school ranks where they're at now. And just a lot of that stuff every month to kind of give them as many of the tools as possible uh, that, that we can. Uh, but also a lot of it is that networking, like true 
meaningful networking because you know there's a lot of like networking things that people go to and they're like oh hello and you know even if it's in person back when we could do things in person right like in the time before time and it uh but but it doesn't it doesn't accomplish anything so this is really very much like a you know just kick in the door like all right your mentor is buzz williams buzz is going to tell you stuff and you should shut up and listen and you should really build as strong of a relationship with him as you can because when job time comes around let me tell you it's going to help if buzz picks up the phone for you and so the, the hope is to, to inject 10 new black coaches into division one basketball next year and then do it again and do it again and do it again. That's a, that's, you know, that's, that's really awesome. I mean, and like you said, and if people want to actually look at the numbers are at, like, it's actually staggering the numbers of, you know, the number of African-American coaches and, you know, even me personally being African-American, I know kind of the, you know, it's not something we're going to dive into, but, it's, it's out there. Um, and, you know, I have friends that are in coaching as well. And sometimes it feels like they, and you know, they, they can even get to a point where they feel like they discourage and they get down themselves. And it's just, a you know, that's an awesome kind of project. And I'm, I recently was reading up on so I'm really excited to see that uh, moving forward and, you know, really appreciate you guys doing something like that as well. It's, uh, it's much I mean, needed and, uh, admirable. It's, it's one of those things where this, this, uh, um, business has given me personally so much, right? Like just, just in the, in the way that I like, I get to get up every day and do what I love to do. And at the end of the day, the reason I get to do what I, what I do is because of a, a, a ton of African-American athletes and African-American coaches. Like if I'm not willing to take all the resources that I have, if we're not willing to put essentially our money where our mouth is when we talk about these different things, like, what are we doing? You know, like I have the ability to do this stuff. Like I help people get jobs all the time. And if, if I'm not willing to do that, then, I mean, I'm just taking, I'm not giving. So, I mean, that was, you know, not, not to put it on, on <clears throat> this, you know, other pedestal of, of thought. It's really like, no, I mean, that's really dumb. Like if you just take all this and you just don't give anything back, like that's stupid. Like, why would you go through life like that? So, right. well, I think the um, world would be a much better place if more people shared that mentality. And I think uh, in general, guys, with, with all the Juco players you've talked about needing, you know, humility, needing a work ethic, needing to be grinders, you guys certainly embody both of those characteristics. So I applaud what you guys are doing. Uh, thank you for coming on the show with us. This is an awesome episode. Um, we'll get this out hopefully later this week. And anybody that listens to this, if you need to follow Juco Advocate, you can find them on Twitter at Juco Advocate. You can follow Todd at Coach Todd Z. Um, and then, yeah, plug everywhere else that they should find you guys digitally, please, before we wrap. Yeah, we, uh, we've got Verbal Commits, at Verbal Commits, uh, the live period, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, check that out. Uh, we've done, I don't know, what are we up to? About 30 episodes now and because... Yeah, it's COVID. What else are we going to do? Like, let's, let's go start a podcast. Uh, that was kind of what we did there. Um, but yeah, we've, we've got a lot of cool stuff coming down the pike here in the next couple months. So stay tuned. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Brandon. Thank you, Todd. We appreciate you guys. And uh, we look forward to seeing everything you guys bring into 2021. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks, guys.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.